Welcome to Genuine Life Recovery. We're here to help you and your loved ones overcome addictions and other addiction-related mental health challenges. In this show, we dive into the physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual aspects of addiction, mental health, recovery, family dynamics, codependency, and more. You can listen on your favorite app or at jodystevens.org. Genuine Life Recovery is made possible by great friends like Joshua's Heart in memory of Joshua Brent Moore, bringing hope, love, and awareness to those afflicted by addiction online at joshesheart.org and Jody Stevens Productions for commercial voiceover, narration, production, MC, and public speaking online at jodystevens.org. Hey friends, welcome back. Just me today. Thank you so much for joining. If you're on YouTube, thanks for watching. If you're on the other apps, then thank you so much for listening. Today, it's one of my favorite topics because it's been one of the hardest things for me to do and one of the hardest things I think for most of us to do because we want to be in control uh, and it's called acceptance. And that is what we're talking about today and how acceptance relates to life (laughs) and peace and and the recovery process. But um, we're going to talk about what it means to practice acceptance, what exactly we are to accept and why. And then, as I said, why recovery is important in the recovery process. So the four main parts of acceptance and you can probably think of more, but this is these are the four that we're going to talk about, is asking for help, which is one part of acceptance. Forgiveness is another part. Living with things we can't change. And then God, right? Surrendering to God is a huge part of acceptance. So let's look at the first one as it relates to any anything in life, particularly addiction and recovery. Acceptance is asking for help. Now, why is, is, is acceptance asking for help? Because we're saying, I can't do this myself. I have a problem. I need some help. So that in itself is admitting and accepting weakness, accepting limitations. Step one in the 12 steps says admitted we were powerless over alcohol or our addiction that our life had become unmanageable. Now, I always say admitted we were powerless over sin that our life had become unmanageable because that way it, it, you know, it kind of takes the stigma away from it right? It's, it's, you know, we're all powerless over sin, right? The, the Bible says all have fallen short. So is it drugs or alcohol? Is it pornography? Is it food? Is it uncontrollable anger? Is it control? Is it, you know, like narcissism or something like that? So, If you struggle with an addiction and we kind of look at it like that, then we go, oh, okay, I see. So everybody has something. Now, I'm not making a moral judgment on addiction. You know, I mean, I think there's... 
there's a lot of reasons people struggle with addiction. A lot of it's trauma-based too. So I'm not just, I'm not trying to say that it's just a moral issue. There is a disease component and all that stuff. But when we look around the fallen world, if we understand from a biblical perspective that the world has fallen, then there's kind of a moral issue to, to everything we do. That doesn't mean that addiction isn't a disease. That doesn't mean that it doesn't co-occur with other traumas and things like that, you know. And that's kind of a whole nother discussion. <laughs> and I do have quite a few um, programs about that. But so, so the point of it is, is that piece of acceptance, that's not about being judgmental. That is about really turning towards our addiction, turning towards our pain. You know, um, I tried many times on my own to, to quit drinking. I tried to bargain with God. I was like, God, how about it's just me and you? Like, you fix me. I don't have to go to any of those meetings, all those sorts of things. And I did this for a long time. And I kept relapsing. And, you know, it didn't work. I did a show on when I tried to throw away all my heavy metal CDs. Like, hey, God, I'll, I'll do this for you. And then you strike me sober. So I threw away all my Dio and Queensryche. And, and then I was drunk again the next day. Like, you know, like it didn't work. And so what God was telling me is that you need to accept that you have a problem. Like I was halfway there. I did accept it. I just didn't want to fully surrender it and be embarrassed and have to go ask for help and all those sorts of things. But see, that was what I had to do. And once I did that, then I, you know, I haven't had a drink since. So part of that acceptance is coming out of that denial, right? It's admitting to ourselves, to God and to someone else, the exact nature of our wrongs, <laughs> as it talks about in steps four and five. So acceptance, you know, it's coming out of denial. Again, not just addictions, past trauma could be affairs, could be gambling, sex, drugs, anger, you know, it's really about accepting where we're at, what we have or haven't done from a place of acceptance, then it makes it a little easier, we can make a commitment, right, to, to then begin to work through these things um, in our recovery. So so that's piece one. We talk about acceptance as asking for help. Acceptance is also about forgiveness. And that can be in so many areas of our lives. We can be mad at ourselves and the world and everything. You know, we can be so angry at people. We can be angry at God. And so there's kind of this, this choice because like we can't change what's been done to us. I wish we could, I wish we could go back and change it, but we can't. And so we can be bitter or we can accept these things and drive on. In recovery groups, they say resentment is the number one killer. Why would they say that? I mean, why do you think that is? We've all seen all the shows on revenge. And, you know, we see about digging that extra grave. And we understand the power of resentment and the power of unforgiveness and how much it destroys us. Because a lot of times the other person, they don't care. <laughs> they don't even know what they did, maybe, or they haven't accepted it either. You know, so you could spend your whole life hoping someone will apologize and maybe never get it. So unforgiveness and bitterness are really the same thing because the unforgiveness 
really drives that bitterness in us. And the root of it really is this lack of acceptance, saying, you know, I, I can't accept it. I can't change what they did to me, but I don't want to accept it. So I'm angry and I'm bitter. And then we stew over it. And then this causes so many problems in our life, right? I can't change the past, but I can make a conscious decision on how I'm going to manage it and how I'm going to move forward. So it's really just a choice. And I'm not suggesting it's that easy. We all know that forgiveness is hard. We all know that in the process of we could use the word sanctification to use a biblical word, which is just God's way and us working out our salvation and becoming more like Jesus day in and day out. And it's a lifelong process and we never really arrive. And I think unforgiveness is like that too, or rather the forgiveness process. Sometimes it happens automatically, but a lot of times it, it takes time and we have to keep praying for it, you know. But unforgiveness then equals that lack of acceptance then equals misery, right? If we accept, we forgive. This allows peace to flow through our heart, through our life. And I mean, you can imagine how much that aids in the, in the recovery process because negative emotions are the number one cause of relapse. So if I'm bitter and angry at people, how am I going to get sober? How am I going to stay sober? And that's why resentment is talked about and addressed so much in recovery. You know, when I, after I had been sober for probably 12 or 13 years, I went through just a horrible six, seven years. I mean, it was, it was very, very tough. I had a couple of significant betrayals. I had some church hurt. My brother died of his addiction. My father found him dead. I ended up in therapy and with a major depressive episode. And I had, I was bitter. I was angry at a lot of people for what they had done to me. Um, and the beautiful thing about this, though, and let me tell you, it was because I had gone through recovery and because I understood this, it didn't keep it from happening. Okay, it didn't keep it from happening, but I was able to look inside myself and see where I was going. The clock was ticking, right? And I was headed for a relapse. And the enemy, the devil, yes, was looking to destroy my marriage, my relationship with God, and my sobriety. The three most important things. See, and this is, this is what happens. And this is what he throws his darts of bitterness and anger and all that stuff. And I knew, I was like, man, if I don't deal with this, things are going to get really, really bad for me. And so I got into therapy and I fixed it. It's not perfect, right? It's not like, oh, everything was fixed. You know, it's, you know, life is hard. Jesus said in this world, you'll have trouble. <laughs> Take heart, I've overcome the world, but you're going to have trouble. You know, you don't just lose a family member and suddenly everything's fine. You know, it doesn't work like that. And, and you know that too. But, um, but I understood where I was emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. 
and you know i was ready to to walk away from the lord i was so, so upset and you know part of acceptance is being able to kind of self reflect and to see those things and to catch it and to get back onto um the right track if that makes sense okay so acceptance and forgiveness that was number 2 here's number 3 very similar to number two, acceptance is also living with things we can't change. The past, our childhood, our dreams unfulfilled. You know, I was never able to have children. I can't do anything about that. I'm 51. You know, it's, it, <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, um, wishing that I was further along in life th than I am now. Wishing I was younger. You know, uh, at some point in life, we all have to accept the dreams that didn't happen. You know, I wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> Remember Solid Gold? I mean, that was that was my dream. The only problem is that I couldn't dance. I took a lot of classes. I have a lot of training. I can do, you know, a few Michael Jackson moves, but um, overall, I... I got no rhythm. You know, I had to I had to accept that. Here's one of my favorites from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is really great for life. <laughs> like this is like a life quote and I love it so much. It says, "And <laughs> and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation is being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake until I could accept my alcoholism or whatever it is for you. I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. And here it comes. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as in what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Now let that sink in. I love it. Because I could sit here for days and blame people. And I would be right. And you would be right. Because there's plenty of blame to go around, isn't there? I mean, there's a lot of blame. But I can't change that. I can't change that. Now, I can change me. And a lot of times what's interesting is when we change, other people start to change that are close to us because we're different. So they're reacting and then they begin to change for the better. So that's why they say the only person you can change is you. You know, it sounds like cliche, like why do I have to hear that again? But the reality is if you want to change other people, change yourself seriously. And then you might change those people, but you might not. But either way, you know, trying to change other people is totally futile. Um, the, the beautiful other piece of um, this acceptance of the things that we can't change is the serenity prayer. People hear it and they say it, but they don't really know what it means. I did a whole nother um, podcast on this too, where I really break it down, but here's the quick skinny. So the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept what I can't change, the courage to change what I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. 
And there's a longer version of it as well, but this is the, the short version. So God grant me the serenity to accept what I can't change. Past trauma, abuse, all those things we talked about, betrayal, just others in general, okay? The courage to change what I can. Me, how I respond, right? I can get help. I can make amends. I can choose not to be bitter. I can reach out for people. I can pray for God to heal my self-esteem. I can go to groups, maybe therapy, right? And then it says, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, this is where it gets challenging. How do we know the difference between what we can change and what we can't? Well, it seems obvious, but a lot of times it's not. Because think about this. You know, we can be stewing on things. Just, you know, we can't sleep at night. We're going over and over and over and over about the past or what our mother said or what our father did or what our brother did or what our spouse did or what our kid did. Right? We can just, we can go around and around and around. What, what are we doing? Isn't that kind of trying to change it? Right? Isn't that kind of what we're doing? I, I, I think it is. I remember one time I felt like God said this to me. He said, you know, you spend so much time trying to change the things you can't change. You miss the opportunity to change the things you can I mean, think about it. What if you're full of resentment over your last job and it's got your self-esteem wrecked? So then now you're stewing on that so you, you don't apply for the next one. Or you're trying to fix that alcoholic or addict in your life that you missed the opportunity to get into Al-Anon to, to change yourself. Um, right? I mean, things like that. So for me, I would, I would obsess in fear. And then I would let the rejection and the low self-esteem hold me back from getting what I wanted, right? So with acceptance, that brings peace into our life regardless of the circumstances. You know, so many times my husband and I have to say, you know, if it weren't for God, we wouldn't have a chance. I get frustrated because... I'm older and I feel like I'm a late bloomer. I feel like with the addiction and the, um, you know, the low self-esteem, being a dyslexic kid, having fear, having panic attacks that I just was, I just was far behind. Like I, like I'm, I feel like I'm where I need to be now at my age, but I should be, I should have been here at 30 <laughs> and I'm not. And that's frustrating, but I can't change that. I cannot change that. So I could be mad about it or I could accept it, right? Because if I don't accept it, I'm going to continue to be angry and have resentment and blame and sorrow. And then it can turn into self-pity, right? And, and that is really destructive. I struggled with self-pity for a long time too. And that can just put you into a complete tailspin where you don't want to do anything. But bitterness, you know, all this, all this lack of acceptance can cause bitterness to creep in. And uh, just this little article here on LinkedIn tells us of the bitterness increases our stress, weakens our immune system, increases our blood pressure, insomnia, and sleep disorders. Yeah, been there. Uh, that's been the story of my life. I could 
do a whole nother show on that. Maybe I will. Digestive issues, muscle tension and pain, uh, accelerated aging. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ladies, we don't want accelerated aging. So let's just stop there. I'm kidding. You know, right? I mean, just accept it so that we can stay young. A great example of acceptance was Job in the Bible. You know, if he could accept what God was dishing out, so can we. I think it was Satan also dishing that out too, but that's kind of a whole nother debate. But the thing of it is, is that Job lost everything. I mean, everything, houses, like everybody was killed. Um, but this one verse, it says, while he was still speaking, right, Job's speaking, and as he's speaking, his whole life's crumbling like this. It says, yet another messenger came. This is like the second or third messenger. Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking at the oldest, oldest brother's house. The mighty wind swept in and struck the house. It collapsed. They're all dead. He says, I am the only one who has escaped. So I could tell you this. At this, it says, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, in worship. I love this part. Oh my gosh. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. I love that. I mean, Job accepted that God, that his ways were higher. And in the end, God listened to Job. God addressed Job's concerns. God blessed Job twice as much in the second half of his life than in the first. And when Job came to the conclusion that regardless, right, regardless, God was going to be enough either way. And I think that's really probably when things changed for him. I know that that is when things changed for me too, like dramatically. You know, the Bible says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. That's part of surrender. Because the Bible also talks about how love defies knowledge. There are things in God's world that defy knowledge, wisdom, like everything that we think we know, we don't know. We can't even comprehend. So part of that is just saying, okay, you know, your ways are higher than mine. I accept whatever you're going to deal. <laughs> right? I mean, and it's hard. It's hard. I, I, I told you about when I went to the, I was at the point where I was going to give up on God. And literally, uh, you know, like I said, I ended up in therapy and, and she said, why would you let anyone steal your relationship with God? And that was just like such a wake up call. And through all of that, I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, God, if you never give me anything ever again, like if this is just it, and I'm on the floor, like in this fetal position, <laughs> you know, for like the rest of my life. Um, cool. You're going to be enough. 
And that's like a real maturity part in our life where we realize that God's not a vending machine, you know? They, like, it's like, finally, I was like, I'm with you, God. And that's when everything started to change and my relationship with the Lord started to change. But that was a big acceptance piece. It was just accepting whatever was raining down and saying, okay, Lord, where are we going? What do we, like, I'm still with you, you know? But today I've been sober 18 years from drugs and alcohol. Again, I, I watched my brother die of addiction. It tore the family apart. Um, I don't have answers for that, right? I have to accept that. I have to accept maybe, you know, why wasn't it me? How come my life's pretty darn good right now and he's dead? Uh, you know, and, and we all have something like that in our life where we don't understand when we won't understand on this side of heaven, but it, accepting it is the only way to have, find peace and get rid of that bitterness. But, you know, I have to say for me, getting sober wasn't the hard part. The hard part was accepting and acknowledging and fixing me and the huge part that um, addiction and particularly for me, the, the codependency played in my problems. Um, I saw how the issues with codependency compromised my life and my success, but there was nothing I could do to change it. And in the end, there wasn't anyone left to blame but me, <laughs> right? Me and my choices. And sure, like I said, plenty of blame to go around. You, you know, I could blame my parents. I could blame, <laughs> you know, the system. I could blame that I'm, you know, female in a male-dominated radio world. I mean, I could tell you stories about that too, right? We all have that. But I love the song Carefree Highway by Gordon Lightfoot because the one line he goes, no one I got, no one left to blame. This idea of just waking up and saying... I've got no one to blame today, right? There's nobody to blame. And that's a great feeling, you know? Um, and that doesn't mean we run around in shame and blame ourselves. No, it's just really about um, just taking accountability for our stuff and accepting when we fail and, and driving forward. You know, God's not mad at us. It's just like when your kid makes a mistake, you still love your child. You're just like, you know, you're going to refocus them lead them into the right direction, right? So what what are some things that you need to accept? You know, I had to accept that I was an addict, accept the, the codependency issues, accept that my self-esteem was in the toilet, that everybody knew it. It's really hard when when you don't know it, it's not a big deal. But then when you do know it, and then everyone else can see it, and you know that they know it, that's when it gets kind of funky. <laughs> I had to accept the betrayals, the bad relationships, the wounds. A lot of these things I played a huge part in because I didn't stand up for myself, because I had fear and all that stuff. So I had to kind of accept that my, um, what they call it in AA is my defects of character, the problems with my wiring is what caused so many of the challenges in my life, right? I had to accept I wasn't a victim. Codependent people often confuse love and self-pity. You know, that's where the self-esteem comes in, right? You can't love me, but you can pity me. You know, I had to work through that. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. Bad boundaries, creating betrayals, 
you know, bad relationships when I was younger, men, terrible, you know, um, friendships where all taking and no giving, again, boundaries, right? And now being 51 and saying, I wish I would have known all this when I was 24. Um, but, but again, God grant me to accept the things that I can't change, you know? But for me, I had to be open and honest with him and myself and then be willing to do something to change it. And I think the biggest thing, too, is really working through what are the lessons in this. You know, when we can incorporate gratitude and allow God to show us the lessons in all of it, it's it's really a beautiful thing. And today I can help other people stay sober. I can help people sort of spot this stuff quicker because it took me <laughs> over a decade, you know, again, it's a lifelong process. Um, the, the betrayals, now I can kind of see stuff like that. Like I can see those things coming and come at things with more of a leadership perspective. Like how can we fix that rather than a, a fear and I hope they'll like me perspective. So all those things that, you know, they really strengthen us you know, losing my brother to addiction helped me to love people more in, in a way that I couldn't before. Sometimes loss does that. You know, the acceptance of all these things allows me to share my, my story here and, and in front of other groups and, and things like that. Uh, my husband's been sober 21 years and he gets my head. I get his. I would say that every victory in my life, you know, every, every difficulty God has used to bring about victory. You know, we can't change this fallen world we live in. I wish we could. Sure, we can, we can be activists and, and definitely do things, but you get where I'm going. But how we react to them could ultimately change us so much for the better and maybe change all of eternity, you know? And finally, acceptance for the believer is surrendering my will for God's. It's accepting that I can't do it without God. I read somewhere the only unique thing we can give to God is our will, because everything else he already has. You know, you think about it, that's pretty true. So steps one, two, and three in the 12 steps say step one admitted we were powerless over our addiction. Our life had become unmanageable. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves, God, could restore us to sanity. And then here it comes. Step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. This is when I say I accept your will, your plan, Lord. I may not like it, I accept that your ways are higher than mine, right? You know, I accept that in my own strength, I created this mess of my life. So so when I tried to do it, <laughs> there was anger and addiction and cussing and swearing. That was me and anxiety and rage attacks. And just, I was just an emotional mess. And so it's, giving all that up to God and saying, God, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Uh, please fix this. And, and he will. You know, the Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans eight twenty eight, 
It says, in all things, God works. Not me, (laughs) not you. In all things, God works. So that's that piece of accepting, right? So accepting, we said ask for help, right? Um, Forgiveness, accepting and living with the things we can't change, accepting my will for God's. Jesus, take the wheel. And so no matter what happens, I think if we can remember those things, remember that we're on a journey. It's a journey with God and he will teach us and mold us through all the the challenges in life. So um, question for you, what are some things in your life that you feel unable to accept? And what are some things that you can do to maybe begin to accept those things? And God will help you. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So thanks for watching, friends. I hope this has been helpful to you. I'd love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening through. It's always super helpful. And this program's on iTunes and Spotify and TuneIn. The video version is on YouTube, Genuine Life Recovery, if you want to check it out. I'm always looking for guests as well, um, and you can reach out to me. It's genuinelife at jodystevens.org, genuinelife at jodystevens.org. So God bless you, friends, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, friends, for listening to Genuine Life Recovery, playing on your favorite app or on my website at jodystevens.org. It's J-O-D-I-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S, jodystevens.org. There you can check out my podcast, blog, recovery coaching info, speaking, and more. Check it out.